Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Couch Potato Coach Podcast. I'm Coach Megan, and I'm here and ready to get into it. So today, I'll be talking about our inner compasses and the importance of identifying your core characteristics. I'll be introducing Kane Ramsey to those who aren't familiar with him and his work, and we'll work through an exercise that will help you identify your own authentic values. And I will certainly do a lot of touching on why this work is vital to feeling more joy in your life. In my last podcast, I touched on the idea that we should practice observation to find out what fills us up with joy so that we know what direction to take when we're reading all of these um, personal development books and listening to the podcast and hearing people talk about this stuff. You have to know what direction to take, what's important to you. And in order to do that, you have to know what you like. So last episode, we talked a lot about this, um, about just practicing some observation. And I hope over the past month, you have done some of this and start to have more of an awareness of what's going on in your life. I also touched on a little bit, just this idea that I had that if only I did all of the right things, then I would finally feel all the good feelings. And it just doesn't transfer over that way. Doing the right things doesn't make you feel the good feelings. Uh, While it is true that if you go and do the right things, it will have some health benefits to it. I don't think we can do away our negative feelings and do away our negative thought patterns or do away our unhelpful underlying beliefs. It's almost as if doing all of the right things was a new way to numb myself that didn't bring the stigma of societal shame along with it. So it brought this illusion of success that by doing all the things I was making progress and growing. If I'm going to the gym and exercising, no one is going to fault me for doing that. But if I'm going to the gym and exercising so that I don't have to feel my bad feelings and sort through what they mean and confront some hard and scary truths, then it's a numbing activity. And full disclaimer here, I'm not saying going to the gym is a bad thing. That's simply the example I'm using and it does have undeniable health benefits. Now, my point here is that any activity you do in order to avoid having to feel your feelings will not bring you the fulfillment you're seeking. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. You've heard these stories. Woman loses 100 pounds and finds out she's still not happy as a thin person. Man wins the lottery and one year later rates his happiness as the same as it was before winning the lottery. CEO crushes the competition, pulls the company up to the number one spot in the market, and feels depressed and as if her life has no meaning. Michael Phelps, he was depressed after winning a gazillion gold medals at the Olympics. Doing the things, even doing them better than everyone else, does not bring us fulfillment and joy. Those things can only be found by developing a rich inner world. And that means feeling your feelings, all of them, all of the time. And they act as a guide for exploring our inner world a bit better. They come, they go, unless you choose to ignore the ones that you don't particularly enjoy feeling. And then they go into hiding and slowly sabotage your progress at every turn. I believe observation is a great place to start developing your inner world. So hopefully you've been able to practice that 
and start to have some insight into the activities you need to fill your days with. Um, Today, I want to talk more about the second phase, the core beliefs and values. I was only able to briefly touch on them last time I since I simply ran out of time, so I wanted to take some time today to dive deeper into it. I'll be introducing you to Kane Ramsey, and according to the bio on Kane's website, which is www.kaneramsey.com, he is based in Scotland, and he is a passionate social entrepreneur, a coach, or mentor, and teacher. In 2008, he founded and launched Ecology, the Academy of Modern Applied Psychology, and he says it serves as a revolutionary learning platform that furthers personal growth and professional development in a collaborative learning environment. So he created Ecology, which is what he calls the Academy of Modern Applied Psychology. And you can, I ran into him because I found his teachings on udemy.com, which is an online learning platform that offers all kinds of different programs and certifications. I was interested in getting a certification for life coaching and Kane offers that particular certification course on Udemy. So one of the lessons that Kane offers on this platform is about how to find your core characteristics and values. So his course, it teaches extensively on this subject and I found one exercise in particular to be helpful. So I'm going to walk you through that exercise. Take a moment right now to imagine you're meeting someone for the first time and they ask you the dreaded, tell me a little about yourself question. Or maybe that's only a dreaded question for me, but usually my mind goes blank and I barely stammer out three sentences or I turn red in the face and hope that they didn't discover me to be the huge failure loser I sort of felt like I was. So maybe we'll have to dive into that more on another podcast. Let's get back to our imaginary scene here. So Imagine you're meeting someone for the first time and they've asked you to tell them a little about yourself. And I'm going to guess that most of us will all fill in the same three blanks. You will tell them what you do to earn money. You will tell them where you live and you will tell them what your relationship status is. So it sounds something like, oh, tell you a little about myself. Sure. I'm a property manager. I've been doing that for about 12 years now. I live over in the Lancaster area with my husband and my two kids how did I do? Does that sound about right if you were telling people a little about yourself after meeting them for the first time? Except if you're an Ivy League graduate and then you'd add in there where you went to school and what your PhD is in. (laughs) And hey, I can't say I wouldn't do the same. Anyway, it seems like much of society defines themselves by where they live, what they do to make money, and their relationship status. And if you stop and think about that for a second, It can explain so many emotionally charged situations that defy logical thinking. It's why your coworker can't accept any constructive criticism. Because instead of hearing, hey, here are some things you can do to make your work easier, better, more productive, all they hear is, you are bad. You as a person are bad. Not your work. No, you as a person. That's why people who don't earn a lot of money can suffer low self-esteem. Instead of thinking that the work they do each day is not valued within our particular societal structure, they think, I have no worth. I have no worth as a person because my identity is tied to what I do. And I'm certainly not immune to this. 
I have tied my own self-worth to how much I make in a year and it's just still something that I struggle with. What I'm getting into is if you don't take the time to define yourself, you're essentially allowing someone else to do it for you. Society, your upbringing, your work, marketing, your peers, these are all influential factors that will take up time and space in our lives if we operate on autopilot. What if instead of defining ourselves in these extremely disempowering ways, such as I am a property manager, that is who I am, what if we took the time to decide how we wanted to define ourselves? Now, if I've lost you and you've decided there's no way marketing schemes have infiltrated your thoughts and feelings, even though the evidence strongly suggests otherwise, then think of this as a way to figure out how to choose when you're faced with an important decision in your life. We've all seen the movies that show those parallel universes where one small change produces wildly different outcomes. This is true in our lives. There are times when the choices in front of us are not black and white. Maybe there's more than one good choice, or maybe both choices are bad. In these situations, it is tremendously helpful to use your inner compass as a guidepost. Even after you've made your choice and are in the thick of its repercussions, you won't be second guessing if you made the right choice because you will understand why you chose the answer that you chose. And I am the number one example of why this is important. I never figured out my core values and characteristics until much later in life. And I, my past is just full of examples that led to wasted time and resources. And I view time as my most valuable commodity. So that's a big deal. That's produced a lot of shame in my life. And it also just led to this inner world full of turmoil. I was constantly at odds with myself and I just felt pulled in many different directions and confused about how to pick the one that would be the best for me. The best part of this particular exercise is that it brings you closer to the most authentic version of yourself. You don't have to look to or listen to anyone else. If you're anything like me, I was in this habit of always asking the people around me what to do, how to feel. So it came as intense relief when I finally figured out that I didn't have to, that I could get all of the answers from within. And I learned that I had been making decisions purely out of fear of rejection for most of my life. So this was a true game changer for me to have this entirely different compass. And I'm going to bring this home with an example because I know I'm speaking right now in the theoretical world. And I'd like to give a small example of how this works just so you can see how granular you can get with it and then a bigger example as well. I will use myself as an example. I need to start asking my friends and family for permission to share their stories so there's more diversity here. Anyway, one of my guiding values and also happens to be a core characteristic for me is curiosity. The way I'm naturally wired just makes me inquisitive. I've always wondered why and... um. I'm fascinated by learning new things. I now use this as a guide for making decisions. So when I consider taking the job I currently hold, I wanted to make sure the environment wasn't filled with red tape. My personal opinion is that red tape shuts down curiosity and innovation and you get answers like, it's just the way we've always done it. Or I know doing it this way isn't the best, but that's how upper management likes to see it. 
or I have no idea why we have to do it this way, we just do. I know myself well enough to know that I can't thrive within that particular environment because it goes against my curiosity. I'm never going to be able to take a government job, and it's unlikely that I'll be taking one within a large corporation. If I'm in a place where asking questions is interpreted as disrespectful or even condescending, that's not the place for me. So before I took my current job, I made sure to ask about their processes for improving policies. I asked my would-be boss about how he would feel about changing certain policies if I were to identify a better way. And I asked what it was like on a day-to-day basis and if they felt they were still learning new things or if they felt they had seen it all by that point. It was my responsibility to make sure I wasn't placing myself in an environment where I would feel that my curiosity was stifled on a daily basis or that I would learn all there was to know within a short period of time and end up bored. So doing this ahead of time allowed me to better predict how I would feel within that particular job position. And this is a skill this is a skill that humans are terrible at by the way. I can't remember right now where I read this, but I know that research has shown we're awful at accurately predicting how we'll feel and handle situations in the future. On to a bigger example of how your values need to steer your decisions. I did not take the time to figure out my values before I got married. I chose my partner based on beliefs I'd carried with me from childhood, along with societal and gender norms. And I think that Ryan, my husband, would agree with me when I say that we aren't naturally suited to each other. We don't intuitively just understand the other. There's often a lot of misunderstanding, and that means that we have both had to work very hard at figuring out what the recipe for success was within our marriage. We've both changed a lot since we first started dating 11 years ago, and so has the way we interact with each other. I think that when it comes to us and where we are today within our relationship, I can credit grit. We were both willing to put in all the time and effort it took to get us on the same page, to define our boundaries and figure out a way that we could both get what we needed despite having some clashing values. So obviously we do have a lot of shared values too. An example of this, um, like a clashing value we have is alone time. There are some couples who prefer to spend much of their time together and don't need a lot of time alone to recharge. And then there are others who seem to spend much of their time apart and don't need a lot of time together to recharge. I don't think either one of those is better or worse. I truly don't. I just think what works for people is what's best for them. And the problem is when you have one person who prefers to spend a lot of their time with their significant other paired with a person who prefers to spend a lot of their time alone, um, that's when conflict occurs. That happens to be the case with my husband and I, and it took many, many years before we were able to strike the right balance. It's something we need to monitor and constantly work on, and that's just a simple example of how values can clash and cause conflict. Okay, I feel I've harped on the importance of defining your values sufficiently at this point, Um, so let's get into the exercise from Mr. Kane Ramsey. 
this took a lot of work for me personally because I was such a people pleaser that I truly had no idea who I was. Um, so if you can grab a pen and paper or an iPad to write with, then please do so. If you're out and about or driving while listening to this, then you might want to try and do this later when you have a quiet moment at home. Draw a small circle and now a larger one around that circle. And then finally one large enough to encompass both of the circles in it. So you have three circles. Now think about all of the ways that you show up in your life. You want to place the qualities that show up as the most often in the very center. And some of the time would go in the middle circle and the least would go in the outermost circle. And let let me remind you here, there's absolutely no benefit to listing negative qualities. Let's just stick with the positive ones. So you can ask yourself things like, um, have you ever loved anyone in the past? And if you have, then you can write loving in the circle that makes the most sense to you. Have you been compassionate in a particular situation? Then you can write compassionate in the circle that makes the most sense to you. Have you been responsible in the past? How about creative or innovative, frugal? Have you been curious, loyal, determined, caring? trustworthy. Really just take some time to think about how you've shown up in the past and put everything down on your circle. And once you feel like you have everything, you can pick out three to five that feel the most important to you out of everything else. And these would be your core characteristics, who you feel you are and how you can make decisions in the future. If you want to take it a step further, you can write out what it would look like to make decisions using one of your core values in the future. So for instance, one of mine is I am courageous and I just wrote out, I will do what feels right and important to me. When something feels new and scary, I will take steps to do that thing anyway. When something feels important to say, even when it is not in the commonplace, I will say that thing anyway. I will intentionally seek out the parts of me that feel scary to explore and go there. I will be open to failure as a lesson of how to do it next time and know that it's okay if I don't do it perfectly the first time. So that's just an example of what I wrote out for um, one of my values, which is courageousness. So now, if I were to ask you to tell me a little about yourself, you could paint a whole new picture. Instead of filling in the societal expectations of what you do, where you live, and your relationship status, you could say something like, I'm a curious, creative person who practices courage and compassion. I empower a change in perspective so that collectively there's less suffering in the world. That sounds a lot different. And that's not an identity that I can lose by getting fired from my job. I hope that is impactful for you. As Mr. Kane Ramsey says, quote, what you do and how you are These do not make up who you are. These things are situational and can change quickly. This core set of values is more a compass that can guide you into living the life that will feel the most authentic to you. End quote. Last week, the challenge was just to practice observation within your life. And I really hope that's brought a new level of awareness to you. 
This week, the challenge will be to complete the exercise that I went over earlier, um, just figuring out what values and make the most authentic version of yourself. And I would love if you could take it a step further and then if you have a decision that comes up and it can be as simple as, do I go to the gym? Do I not go to the gym? Do I hang out with this friend? Do I not hang out with this friend? Use your value systems to help you make that decision and continue to do your gratitude journal. Hopefully you're writing down five things you're grateful for every morning, or if you're not a morning person (laughs) shortly before you go to bed. I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to my podcast today. I sincerely hope you stick with me and continue down this journey. This is my sixth episode. I will look forward to dropping another one at the beginning of January. So I hope everyone has an amazing holiday season and I will see you all in 2022. As always, I do this just so that you know you're not alone. If you are feeling a little lonely on any given day, please stop by, listen to my voice, and know you are not.